Arsenal's Willian is headed for a summer exit. We'll be reacting to that news as well as discussing some of the other big stories from football on this Sunday evening live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the news regarding Willian. We heard at the back end of last week that David Luiz will be leaving the club in the summer. Well, it seems like his Brazilian compatriot, Willian, could be headed the same way despite signing a three-year contract with the Gunners last summer. We're going to be getting into that, discussing Willian's time at Arsenal so far. And we're going to be talking about some of the other stories from the world of football today, because it's been one of those, you know, it's been one of those days where I've really enjoyed the football. And there's been a lot of days during this season where I haven't really enjoyed the football, where it's felt like a bit of a chore watching it. Maybe, and forgive me for saying this, but maybe I've enjoyed this weekend Partly because Chelsea lost in the cup final, but largely because Arsenal haven't played. You know, it's been a really, really tough season as an Arsenal fan. You know, there's no getting away from that. Um, and this weekend has obviously given us an opportunity to sit down, enjoy the football. Obviously, we're at the business end of the season as well. Games have a greater significance, or some of them do, some of them don't, obviously. Um, but yeah, feeling good about football today and, and feeling quite good about the news regarding Willian as well. Let me go over to the live comments. I'll say hello to you guys. We'll get a couple of your comments uh, on the news that Willian is um, is uh, likely to head off according uh, to the report this summer. And then we'll touch on it uh, in a little bit more detail. But Arsenal Rule 3 said, ha, I've smashed the like button, but it's only registering one like. I think this news is worth at least a thousand likes. And listen, I'm not one to to dig out individuals and to really sort of hammer individual players. I, you know, I try to be fair in my kind of criticism of them, but there's, you know, there's no way of dressing Willian's time at Arsenal up as, as a success. It's impossible because he's just not been up to standard. He's just simply not been good enough. A big hello to Jerome as well, who joins us from Auckland in New Zealand. Says based on performance, Willian won't be missed. If he decides to go, in fact, I will only miss Lewis as he offers a passing outlet from the back. Uh, Gunnamo uh, refers to the reports in the last few days that have been linking us with a move for Southampton's Ryan Bertrand. He says, we're signing Bertrand, another old pensioner, looking for a payday. What could go wrong, right? Uh, big hello to everybody else uh, also in the chat as well. Hope you're all good. Um, Marble Hall says, good riddance. Uh, we shouldn't be signing Chelsea has been. And Brad Richardson says, Alisson has the same Premier League goals as Willian this season. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. But look, let's um, let's let's break the story down. Let's talk about it in a little bit more detail. And of course, we'll come back to the comments and I'll get uh, your um, your thoughts and your views. And I'll share as many of those uh, with the wider audience as I possibly can between now 
and the end of the stream. So Fabrizio Romano tweeted late morning uh, today, Sunday, that is, for those of you watching us uh, or listening to us on the audio and for those of you who may be watching this back a little bit later. So Sunday, late morning, Fabrizio Romano tweeted, after David Luiz, also William is expected to leave Arsenal this summer. There's interest from European clubs and from the MLS. Inter Miami wanted him last summer. Arsenal are waiting for official bids. So what does that tell us? It tells us that to Fabrizio Romano's knowledge, there has been no official approach uh, for Willian as of yet. But Willian has really, really struggled at the Emirates Stadium and there's no getting away from it. Look, I think hindsight is a wonderful thing and it's really easy to look back on the deal now and say, yeah, it was the wrong thing because quite frankly, he didn't perform. Willian as a player, as an individual, can never, I don't think, have any sort of qualms with with Mikel Arteta because he's given him ample opportunities, particularly at the start of the season where he seemed to be in the team every single week, despite doing very, very little to warrant his place. He continued to be selected. So Willian has had enough opportunities I don't doubt that technically Willian is a good footballer. I don't doubt that, um, you know, in the past he's he's had a good career. And I don't actually even really have an issue with the decision taken to sign him in the first place. It was a free transfer. Yes, he's on a significant wage. But nowadays that is pretty much always the case when it comes to free transfers. Those players know they have a, a power you know, a power of being able to demand a greater salary because of the fact and the fact that they're obviously very aware of that you've not paid for them. You know, you've not paid a transfer fee. Therefore, they go hard on the on the salary demands. It's always been like that. Um, you know, so I'm not I'm not sort of pissed off that Arsenal gave him the wages they gave him. The only question mark around it at the time for me and I know, look, I know it's not worked out now. But I've got to be honest and, and and genuine here. When I go back to what I was saying when we were linked with William, when it looked like the deal was going to go through, my initial thought was, OK, I'm not really sure about a three-year contract. I like the idea of bringing in an experienced wide forward because we were missing that. You know, Bukayo Saka's had a great season. Fair play to him. Nicolas Pepe's had a good last few months, I would say. Gabriel Martinelli's another young winger up and coming at the club, somebody who could benefit from a, a more experienced campaigner. And so you looked around at our options and people were at the start of the season were talking about Reese Nelson, et cetera, et cetera. And you looked at those players and you went, well, they're good prospects, but they're not quite there yet. So to have that little bit of experience, and I thought to be able to call off, uh, call upon off of the bench in times of need made sense to me. And as I say, again, the idea of the three-year contract was the bit that made me feel a little bit uneasy. But the reality is sometimes you have to meet the player's demands in order to get the player that you want. And we've seen Arsenal in years gone by miss out on loads of top quality players because Arsenal were unwilling to, to sort of bend their recruitment policy. Do you remember when Arsene Wenger was in charge? Nobody over 30 years old got more than a one-year contract. How many players did we end up losing uh, as a result of that, a lot of them didn't go on and succeed and do better things, but some of them did. And, you know, that's 
that's the reality of football nowadays. Sometimes if you really want someone, and I'm uh, Mikel Arteta clearly really wanted him, you've got to make that move. There was a lot of talk at the time about the links between uh, Kia Jurabshan, the, the player's agent, and Edu, and the fact that we'd signed a number of players represented by Jurabshan uh, made a lot of fans feel uneasy, and rightly so. You know, sometimes you get these relationships between clubs and and representation and what you end up with is this relationship and this loyalty that it grows between the club and the agent that can sometimes lead to you getting players that you really, really, um, you know, didn't have a chance for. But equally, it can lead to you having to do deals sometimes to appease all parties. And this has turned out to be one of those deals. Is Willian a shit footballer? No, he's not. Come on, let's be honest. You know, he's had a really, really good career. He's done brilliant things. The problem, it just hasn't worked at Arsenal, right? It's as simple as that. There's no need to get deep. There's no need to think about specific reasons. There's no need to to get personal. There's no need for any of that. It just hasn't worked out. So, But I can understand why a lot of fans want him gone. He's taken up a space in the squad. He is not someone that we can look at as part of our future. It does feel a little bit like he's been playing at half pace when given opportunities. It does feel like he doesn't care. It feels like the move made by somebody who wanted to stay in London saw an opportunity, um, you know, to to stay in London, even if it meant joining a, a rival club and, and took that opportunity. And the club obviously showed their hand, showed that they were quite keen. And from then on, the deal was done. But it was a mistake. There's there's no getting away from that. And managers make mistakes. You know, lots of great managers have signed duds throughout their careers. You know, Arsene Wenger brought in plenty of players of that ilk. Players that just simply weren't good enough anymore or, or weren't good enough in the first place. Sir Alex Ferguson made a load of errors too. Do you remember Massimo Taibi in goal? If you don't, Google him. Type in Massimo Taibi, Southampton. That's all you need to see. Do you remember Eric Jemba Jemba? This, there was loads. You know, every manager will make mistakes in the transfer market. And as Brad says, actually, in the comments, he says, respect to Arteta for accepting he made a mistake on Willian. If Arsenal move him on this summer, then that is great to see Arsenal applying the ruthless approach that Mikel Arteta referred to. You know, the, the ruthless approach that Mikel Arteta has been sort of uh, so big on and has talked about frequently. That's what I really want to see. I want to see uh, Mikel Arteta, you know, he will make mistakes, but acknowledging those mistakes when he does and, and moving to correct those mistakes very, very quickly. That's important to me. As I say, we all make them and we all would make them in his position. So if it's corrected, if it's dealt with, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. I think that Mikel Arteta has been disappointed with Willian. I think the fact that he went from playing so regularly uh, to hardly featuring nowadays kind of shows that, you know, he, he did feel that he gave him the opportunities and that he'd been let down. And the fact that he's probably off suggests that there's been a conversation between those parties that, that could lead to a transfer in the summer. Let's see anyway. Let's see how it goes. Uh, remember the wording of the tweet from Fabrizio Romano, right? And I know he doesn't normally put stuff out that he doesn't have some inkling about, some information about. Uh, but Fabrizio Romano's exact words were, 
Willian is expected to leave Arsenal this summer. Not Willian is 100% categorically leaving Arsenal Football Club this summer. So if you're having a party about Willian, just hold fire on it uh, for now. But it does look like it it will happen. Um, but there is no deal in place. And as he says in his tweet, um, which is the original source of this story, there are no official bids as of yet. So let's see. Let's see what's going to happen with that. I think with Willian, what a lot of people expected him to bring to the team was, was an ability from set pieces, was experience, was the ability to come off the substitutes bench and impact games in times of need, was a technical security. You know, he's somebody who rarely gives the ball away, to be fair. But the problem is he's been very risk averse when in possession lately for Arsenal. When I've watched Willian sort of recently and I compare it to that performance he, he he turned in in the first game of the season at Fulham, it's completely different. Chalk and cheese, black and white. Like it's, you know, he, he's gone from taking risks, playing brilliant passes, always trying to get people in behind to all of a sudden, whenever he receives the ball, particularly when he's on the left, just taking a step inside and just rolling it square and just playing it short and being quite boring, if I'm honest, being risk averse, not wanting to give the ball away. So, you know, I think he's suffering from a lack of confidence as well, but this is not a crash, right? We're not here uh, to babysit people, especially experienced campaigners like Willian, who have been there, who have done it all. And you only need to look at his record for the club to understand exactly what it is I'm talking about. 25 appearances in the Premier League this season, just one goal, one goal. He has, though, got five assists, which is respectable, one in five. In the Europa League, he made nine appearances and he produced two assists there. In the FA Cup, two appearances, no goals, no assists, and one appearance in the EFL Cup. In the Premier League, he started in the 11, 44% of the time. A lot of those starts, though, came in the early part of the season. He has seen uh, his starting opportunities drop significantly, and, and that's absolutely uh, the right thing. Let's go over to the live comments and see uh, what some of you guys are saying. I'm just going to pick. Um, I'm just going to pick out a couple of bits. Um, Koshi says, "I agree with you in a lot of matters, Harry, but please don't compare Arteta to the PL's two best managers. I'm not comparing Mikel Arteta as a whole." to Sir Alex Ferguson or to Arsene Wenger. I'm simply saying that there isn't a manager in world football who has made a mistake in the transfer market, who has bought a player he thought was genuinely going to come in and improve his team and improve his squad, but who came in and proved to be a dud. That's exactly what's happened with Willian here, right? It was a difficult summer financially. Arsenal have looked at it. They've gone low risk, free transfer. Yeah, we're going to fork out some wages, but let's do it. And they did it. And um, and unfortunately, on this occasion, it's not worked. Uh, big hello to Tony Flowers, who says no Europe means we can really trim down the squad. That is an, a, a massive point and a really crucial and important point. And I had it on my little notes, actually, to, to make that point. If Arsenal are going to be without European football in any capacity next season, then you can definitely afford to trim down that squad. And actually, if you're wanting to, to do an entire rebuild, if you're wanting to strip everything back and start from scratch, 
no European football, yes, it has a negative impact from a financial point of view. But from a footballing point of view, it means that Mikel Arteta, as a coach, can work with a smaller group of players, can look to embed his ideas, his philosophy into a smaller group, um, which is obviously always easier. He'd have a week between games to spend time on the training ground and, and get those things right. You know, you, you're absolutely spot on in saying that the squad could be smaller. And when the squad is smaller, it means you can be more ruthless and you can get rid of players that you don't feel are necessarily the right players for your project. And at the moment, Mikel Arteta's and anyone who's been in the job, in the Arsenal job, um, you know, in recent years has always had to juggle the two. And so there is a benefit to being out of it. And one of them, as Tony rightly points out, is that um, is that you can trim that squad down, which means you're in a better position to start from fresh. It's easier uh, to rebuild a team when you don't have to shift as many players out, when you get that all out of the way and the squad is obviously much smaller. Just got the Women's Champions League final on um, next to me. And just for those of you uh, who are interested, Barcelona have taken the lead against Chelsea. Chelsea going to lose another cup final, uh, it seems. Um, well, it's early days. The game's literally just kicked off, but it was a really fortunate uh, ricocheted goal. The Chelsea defender, uh, kicked it against one of our own players, I think, as, as it was uh, trying to be cleared. And it's looped in uh, to the goal. So just a minute and a half on the clock there. Chelsea nil, Barcelona one in the Women's Champions League final. If you're listening to this on audio, you probably already know the score. So do ignore that part. <laughs> right. Um, so that's where I am on um, on Willian. Get rid of him. It hasn't worked out. There's no point crying over spilt milk. I don't, um, you know, I don't really hold it against Mikel Arteta. It was a mistake. It was one of many mistakes. Every manager's made mistakes and you move forward. So, yes, I think we need to get him out. We need to, um, you know, we need to trim down the squad. We need to move players on that aren't part of our future, that do not represent what we are looking to build. And Willian is certainly one of them. He'd save a hell of a lot of money on the wage bill as well. So I think it's fair to say that pretty much every single gooner out there uh, will be pleased to see Willian go. It is what it is. You know, it is what it is. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other football that took place today. And I know there was drama um, in the Liverpool game late on when Alison Becker uh, scored a headed goal to uh, basically keep their Champions League qualification dreams alive. But I want to talk a little bit first about what happened in La Liga today. Now, the title race in La Liga is really, really hotting up. It, it, well, it's been hot for a while. And as it stands, going into the last games, you've got Real Madrid in second on 81 points. Atletico Madrid are top on 83. Two points separate those sides. But at one point this evening, Real Madrid, who won at Athletic Bilbao, were winning by a goal to nil, whilst Atletico Madrid were losing at home to Osasuna. And if you look at the timeline, it was it was pretty incredible how it all happened because I was texting some mates in a WhatsApp group and, you know, the notification come up. I've got to admit, I wasn't watching the game. And the notification come up and it said, Osasuna won, Atletico Madrid two, and you're sitting there going, oh my God, they are literally, literally 
going to gift Real Madrid the title this year. They are going to gift it to them. And you've got to think, right, Diego Simeone has done a wonderful job there to even make Atletico in any way competitive with Barcelona and Real Madrid in the way he has. To go to Champions League finals the way he has is a testament to what a fantastic job he's done there. And um, I was, when I saw that Osasuna had gone a goal up, I turned the game on for the last 15 minutes and I was absolutely delighted to see uh, Atletico Madrid turn the game on its head. Renan Lodi uh, on the 82nd minute and Luis Suarez, who still has so much to offer, really, really does. It baffles me. I sit there scratching my head when I try and think about why Barcelona allowed him to go. When you look at the season they've had and how things have gone for them, it, it becomes even more baffling as to why he is gone. Um, but he popped up on the 88th minute. Man, if only we'd not offered that extra pound. He popped up on the 88th minute for Atletico Madrid to score the winner. And now, um, you know, they're in pole position, obviously, to to go on and secure their La Liga title. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. I absolutely um, have huge respect for what Diego Simeone's done at Atletico Madrid. As I say, for him to simply be able to compete with some of those giants of not just the Spanish game, not just the European game, but the world game is really, really impressive. So uh, fair play to them. And then, of course, Liverpool, you know, Liverpool um, at West Brom today, went a goal down, got an equaliser pretty swiftly, actually, through Mohamed Salah, or, or not too long, at least after they conceded. And you thought, well, they're going to go on and win this. And they just huffed and puffed and they never really looked like they were going to find that winner. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, up pops Alison Becker from goalkeeper uh, to head home a Trent Alexander-Arnold corner and 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 basically uh, keep Liverpool's chances alive. And listen, you know, I know Liverpool were champions last season and they ran away with it, but given the position they were in, if they're to qualify for the Champions League, that would be some sort of turnaround. And it is a testament to their spirit um, and, and, you know, how good they, they can be and should be really. But yeah, as I say, um, obviously the big talking point from that game was Alisson and, and the goal. I think for me, you know, as as a human being, listen, I don't like Liverpool. I'm an Arsenal man. But as a human being, to watch Alisson in, in the post-match interview talking so sort of passionately and emotionally about obviously the difficulties he's had this season, losing his father, um, in the way he did and, and all of that. And his performances have been up and down this season as well. And he's received really a lot of criticism. So for him to come up and score that goal, and then the way he talked about it, the guy was in tears. It it got me. It got me. As a football man, as a, a human being, um, you know, it got me. And um, fair play to him for speaking so openly, so honestly. Um, and after what's been a really difficult year for him, he needed a break, didn't he? And he, and he got it tonight. And the Liverpool fans will be absolutely delighted. When things like that happen, like the loss of his father in the way it did, and then you hear somebody speaking so emotively about it, it is absolutely impossible not to feel something. You know, you've got to have a heart of ice, if you know, to not feel something. So I just wanted to touch on that point. I don't really care about the game, um, but I wanted to touch on that point because um, Alisson needed that. He needed something to to sort of lift his spirits. And I know he was emotional at the time, but he'd be looking back on that with a massive smile on his face. Not every goalkeeper gets a goal in his career. And as someone rightly pointed out 
earlier um, in the chat. He's on uh, his level with Willian. I bet he never thought that would happen. Uh, he's, his Premier League goals tally would be the same as Willian's uh, come the end of a season. Fantastic stuff. Um, right, let's go over to the live chat. Let's get some of your questions in. Get your questions in. I'd love to hear from you guys uh, so we can uh, chew through the fat of anything else that you guys want to discuss. I know there's going to be some Willian stuff in there, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, Willian, as I say, just to repeat for those of you maybe joining the live a little bit later on, according to Fabrizio Romano, Willian is expected to leave Arsenal Football Club this summer. No deal is done yet. There are no official offers on the table yet, but it does look like Willian could be one of a few to depart this summer. You know, we're, we're hearing talks about Bern Leno going. We're hearing about Granite Xhaka wanting out. We know that Hector Bellerin is probably on his way out as well. So there's loads and loads of players that could potentially be heading for the exit at the Emirates Stadium this summer. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, and that tells us a lot, doesn't it, about where we currently are. Uh, Matt G says, uh, when do you think we will make our first summer signing? It's an interesting question because obviously with a deal, it kind of requires don't it, both parties to, to get a move on and get it all done and dot the I's and cross the T's, et cetera, et cetera. If I had to guess, I think we will try and do some business prior to the European Championships. I really do, because I think the problem with the European Championships is that, first of all, players can go there, perform, and you all of a sudden, with their stock even higher than it was when the tournament started, their clubs are likely to demand higher fees, which it can at times um, you know, prevent um, deals being able to be done. You know, also you can look at the European Championships and you can spot players, players that you were maybe already thinking about, maybe already had on your radar could, um, you know, could sort of do enough in the tournament to prove to you that they are the right player and therefore you might make a move there uh, or off the back of a tournament like that. So, I think we will do some business prior. Um, I think that will be the plan. If they're as organized as they say they are with regards to the targets, then you'd be surprised if they didn't do anything prior. But equally, um, I think we'll probably see business either side of the tournament. Um, but as I say, if they are as organized as they say, then uh, what are we waiting for? The Real Captain says, thoughts on Bertrand, Harry. A lot of people... Um, have sort of turned their noses up at this one. And I'm not really sure why, because you've got to remember that any left back that Arsenal will sign, any left back that Arsenal sign, barring peak Roberto Carlos coming out of retirement, will basically be coming in as a second fiddle to Kieran Tierney. It's as simple as that. I mean, I, I, I don't really understand why people are so anti-Ryan Bertrand. We know that Arsenal's finances are going to be limited. And what is Ryan Bertrand? Ryan Bertrand is somebody who is 31 years old, available on a free transfer. He's a Champions League, FA Cup and UEFA Cup winner who would be coming in as a squad player. I genuinely, genuinely don't see why people are making such a big deal of this. From a negative point of view, I'm talking about, I, I just don't get it. For me, it makes sense. If he's available on a free transfer and it fits within our wage structure, then I'm okay with it. 
Louis Robson says, will the owners back Arteta? Even if they did, they'd have to give him a lot of cash to rebuild this team. Little 50 million is not enough. No, and I completely agree. 50 million is not enough. And if they don't back him, then yes, we'd have to move him on because he's obviously not likely to get much out of this group and we'd need someone who probably could do more. But I guess... I guess if they are going to back him, then you have to give him a chance to do it with his players. Because I know people always point to, oh, you know, Mikel Arteta's bought seven or eight players into the club, whatever it is, um, since his arrival. How many of those players were his first choice? You know, Thomas Partey will have been, you know, or t- Thomas Partey would have been someone that he'd have been keen on. But the likes of Cedric Suarez, free transfer, Martin Odegaard on loan, you know, at these deals, Pablo Marie, at these deals that Mikel Arteta was up all night dreaming about, I don't bloody think so. The deals that he had to do given the circumstances. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. But, you know, they talk a good game. They always do the Cronkies, but it's whether they deliver or not. And uh, they've proven time and time again that they normally don't. Just a quick update on the Women's Champions League final because it's Chelsea nil, Barcelona won 13 minutes in and Barcelona currently have a spot kick they could double their lead here inside a quarter of an hour and um, put themselves basically well on their way to lifting the top prize in women's football after a long VAR check the penalty has been given and uh, it's going to be the Barcelona star Alexia hits it left-footed goal Barcelona 2 Chelsea nil. They're in prime position to go on and win that Women's Champions League. Uh, Brad Richardson says, what made you want to be a podcaster? That's a really interesting question. So obviously I'm a massive football fan. Obviously, when I started podcasting, I was still in banking. I wasn't uh, working in the industry in any way, shape or form. Um, But I love talking about football. And actually, I'd, I'd always listen to a lot of podcasts. But my good friend Alavi, who is on the social club with us, I'm sure you will know who I'm talking about. Uh, we basically spent about two days because we used to live next door to each other. We basically spent two days arguing about one, one refereeing decision. And off the back of that, we decided, oh, why don't we give it a record and have a little go? And we started with the Sofa Sports podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then when we sort of got that to a certain level and I knew a little bit more about what I was doing, uh, I decided that I wanted to start an Arsenal one because Arsenal is my main passion and Arsenal is is what I care about most. And, and that's how the Chronicles of Aguna was born. Um, while we're on the subject, it's a great time uh, for me to thank every single one of you uh, for your continued support, our loyal listeners, viewers, members, um, contributors, because A few days ago, we hit the milestone of 1 million views or downloads on the podcast in 2021. So to get to a million by the beginning of May is is unbelievable. I'm honestly so chuffed that people are listening, people are watching, people are downloading it. Honestly, it means the world to me. Um, So I want to say a massive thank you to every single one of you guys, because when you're doing something like this, and you're doing it as frequently as I'm doing it. So, you know, a lot of your favorite podcasts will be once, twice, maybe three times a week. I've really tried since sort of 
leaving one of my jobs recently in, in sort of the media world that was taking up a lot of my time. I've really tried to pick up the level of content um, and, and the regularity with which we put out content. And so to see that paying off, uh, to see us gaining subscribers all the time and, and to see those numbers, one million uh, views slash download. So that's across YouTube and the audio platforms uh, on our shows in 2021 alone is, is honestly incredible. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And, um, in answer to your question, Brad, that's how I became a podcaster. Started arguing with a mate, we recorded it. And from then the rest, as they say, is history. And hopefully there'll be many more years of it to come. Uh, but thank you, uh, to every single one of you, especially our members of the channel who help keep it alive as well. So thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Tony says, uh, Harry, our squad is geared up to play four, four, two. What do you think about going to that formation? Lack of holding it up and over running in behind with two wingers backing them up. I'm not big on the four, four, two anymore, Tony. I, I used to really be a fan of it, obviously during the Wenger days, but I think football's changed a lot. And I think to play it nowadays, you have to have two really exceptional centre midfielders. Unfortunately, you'd probably argue that that's Arsenal's worst position at the moment. I think that I think that when you look at the 4-4-2 system, you know, it's great in theory, but it's that overload that teams tend to create in midfield with that third player uh, dropping in there that would cause us many, many issues if we were to play that way. I get what you mean in terms of the squad. I do think we've got a lot of players that probably suit that system. I'm just not sure it would work all of the time. And I want a system or a shape that works um, not all of the time, but most of the time. That's that's really, really important. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's uh, pick out some of your comments. Uh, massive thank you to those uh, of you congratulating um, us on hitting that one million mark. Thank you all so much. And, and some of the usual faces in the chat as well. Um, thank you to you guys because you guys are the the heart and soul of the channel um, and of the podcast. So thank you all so much. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, let me pick out something else before uh, we leave it there. Here we go. Uh, Super Flea says Leicester are signing Sumare for 20 mil. Will Arsenal sign a worse player? for 35 mil. I bloody hope not. <laughs> I bloody hope not. Look, there's been a lot of talk about Samari uh, for a, probably a couple of seasons now. I'm not big, you know, on, on Samari, not because I don't, I don't rate him, but simply because I don't know enough about him. I think it's really, really difficult um, to make definitive judgments on players that you've seen very, very little of. And, you know, it, it is, you know, I've seen very little of him. You know, how can I sit here and make a case that says he is worth X amount in the transfer market? I find it really, really difficult. And so I'd prefer to go away and look some of the questions up that you might have about particular players that apply their trade elsewhere, because I don't feel like I can talk off the cuff without making assumptions, without um, basing my opinion solely on statistics rather than the eye test, which I think is probably the most important thing in football. So it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to say. But listen, Leicester have been incredible in their recruitment of late. You know, they really, really have. And it's why they are where they are now. And they deserve immense praise for that. I think Leicester have been clever to, to act early on this 
and to get that done. Um, so yeah, congratulations to them. I, I can't, as I said, look, I don't know a lot about Samare, not enough to sit there and, and sort of be upset or downbeat at the fact that he's not joining us. Um, that's my honest view. Barcelona 3-0 up, by the way, in the Women's Champions League final. They are on absolute fire. And they look as though they've already uh, won the trophy with just 20 minutes on the clock. Disaster night for Emma Hayes' Chelsea so far. Um, hold on. Where am I? Where am I? The chat box keeps updating. Uh, Marble Hall's TV says, Harry, not to be negative, but if United went in for Bissouma, would we have a chance? A bigger club and CL football next season. Obviously, mate, it's going to be really difficult to compete with those clubs. It's going to be difficult to compete with Man United anyway. Um, it's always been difficult uh, to compete with Man United. But, you know, sometimes players need to believe in the project that they're joining as well. And I think that, you know, for all the negatives about Mikel Arteta, I think he is very good at persuading people, convincing people. I think also, you know, to some players, it's important that they're going to have guarantees over game time. To others, it's less important and it's more about um, the status of, of, you know, the club that they're looking to join. But I do think that somebody like Basuma, you know, he's another one. Look, I, I think he's good and I like him, but I really don't understand the... It, it's almost as though Basuma is bloody Claude Makaleli in his prime, in the eyes of some. And the fact is, he's not. The fact is, he's not. He's shining because he's playing in a really bad Brighton side. And when I say really bad, I don't mean bad in terms of aesthetically. They play nice football. I get what they're trying to do. And I actually have a lot of respect for Graham Potter for the way he tries uh, to get Brighton playing football. But look where they are in the division. Look at, you know, their records this season. Bissouma for me might be a good signing, but it is a risk. It is a risk thinking that he can step up to the level that we need him to be at for Arsenal. That's not being a snob. It is a big step up. To go from playing at Brighton every week where there is absolutely zero pressure because everybody expects you to get beat to then, you know, come to Arsenal where you turn in a couple of performances and people are on your social media uh, having a go at your wife and your sister and your brother and his girlfriend's cousin. It's, it, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a really different thing. I think that Bissouma could be a good sign-in. Um, I'm not ruling that out, but I do think there is more risk attached to it than some Arsenal fans right now would have you believe. I genuinely do. Um, gen and I'm not saying that you're, you know, that that's you, Marble Horse TV, just in general about the player. Uh, Chris says, what positions are for you a priority this summer? I think there's a few. I think the two fullback positions need addressing. I think that centre midfield is a major, major priority for Arsenal uh, this summer. If we can get another forward in, uh, particularly if Alex Lacazette is is likely to leave, then then great. Um, but the fullbacks and centre midfield would be the most pressing needs, in my opinion. Um, what else have we got here? Um, some of you saying um, he's worth a punt on on Bisuma. Yeah, he's, he's worth a punt if if we can afford it. Is basically what I'm saying. So to put this into context, if Arsenal have 50 million available in the transfer window. I think to spend 30, 35 million of that is too much of a risk to take on, on Basuma. If your transfer budget is a hundred million pounds and you can still do 
significant business in other areas and bring in Basuma, then obviously it's less of a risk. And, and as Peter says, and I always say this on this channel, every player signed by any club is a risk. Absolutely. I just... When Patrick Vieira came into Arsenal, none of us envisaged him being the player that he turned out to be. He was an absolute world beater, right? So we had no expectations then. With Bissouma, I get that people like him and I quite like him as well. I just don't see why it's the complete opposite with him. Why is Yves Bissouma somebody that people think or, or automatically believe is 100% guaranteed going to be a success at Arsenal. He may well turn out to be, and I hope he does if we sign him. But let's see. Um, you know, let's see. That's all That's all my point is. That is all my point is. I'm going to leave it there uh, because it is Sunday night. I'm sure you, you want to get off to your families and, and friends and, and whatever and chill out ahead of uh, Monday, it looks like it's going to be a bloody miserable Monday here uh, in the UK. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Uh, big shout out to those of you who have tuned in live. Big hello to those of you who have been watching us um, on replay or to those who have listened back via the audio platforms. Uh, love to every single one of you. Again, thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for um, for all your support and for helping us to achieve uh, that milestone. Uh, that I mentioned a little bit earlier on. I can see right now on YouTube, there are over 260 something of you watching, but we've only got 78 likes. Surely, surely we can get it up to 150 likes. If you haven't done so already, please, please do hit that like button. It is so, so important for the channel. Subscribe if you're new. And if you fancy becoming a member to support us, then you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. It really, really helps too. I appreciate every single one of you. Um, thank you for tuning in again. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. It is honestly really, really appreciated. And I look forward to catching up with you all uh, for some shows on Monday where we'll be discussing all things Arsenal, maybe a few other stories that crop up as well. Let me know. Do you enjoy the talk and the chat about some of the, the stuff outside of Arsenal? Because I quite like doing that. Um, but I'm obviously conscious of of veering away not veering away because we're still going to do the Arsenal stuff in more detail like we've always done but I just want to make sure uh, that you guys are cool with that because obviously during the Euros we're going to be bringing you Euros content we're going to be doing all different stuff um so yeah I uh, just want to make sure that you're all good with it right uh before I go I want to say a big thank you to Inny Inyang for your very kind super chat donation he says um, afternoon, Harry. Great to have content to listen to on a Sunday night without Arsenal. I'm thinking this might be a buyer's transfer window. Thoughts? It could be. It could be indeed because clubs are going to be desperate to sell. So those who are able to buy, those who have the money, are definitely, definitely uh, going to be in a really strong position going into the summer window. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.